This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 531, for October 27th, 2016. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and joining me is not Susie Oaks, who's actually at an Apple event as we record this, but Roman Laiola, senior editor at Macworld. Hello, Roman. Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Haven't had you on for too long. Yeah, it's uh, been a while, actually. You're, but, you know, Susie's out and away, so I get so we get to play. You have to like slave that. away while she's <laughs> off at the... Uh, at the event. Yes, so this was the October 27th event, and we're recording this on the day up because we wanted to wait and see what happened and not give you last week's news next week. So uh, that's what we're doing. Um, not as much as we expected was announced. The only new thing is uh, really the MacBook Pro uh, So uh, those, and a TV app for the Apple TV. And Apple had its uh, earnings announcement uh, earlier in the week and was you know, a little disappointing. Um, everyone knew they're at a point of retrenchment, but uh, this sort of hammered home that they're going to have a disappointing year-over-year return. And um, but I don't know. If there's that much to say about it because you know the app, iPhone Seven and Seven Plus are really going to tell the story for the current quarter's sales. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think maybe the one remarkable thing about the earnings was that uh, Apple services was up what twenty-four percent or something mm-hmm. like that, which is significant for Apple. Because Apple's not known for uh, their services, or maybe not known is not the right word, but <laughs> favored for. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's a significant chunk. The, the on the other hand, everything else was in the negative. So that's yeah, that wasn't. Uh, it, it maybe it didn't hit. It's not going to be a, a earnings report for the uh, that we'll all remember, but. Yeah, next quarter. Yeah, we'll they see. keep up that increase. That's the thing is services, they want services, you know, as hardware saturates and slows. They saw that with the iPod, uh, iPads already, uh, even with the iPad Pros, they still have, you know, uh, slowing or reduced sales of iPads because people keep them and they work and they don't replenish as fast. That's starting to happen with iPhones, it seems like. Some markets have softened around the world. So services has to take up the slack. I would point out too, their margin went down from nearly 40% to 38% uh, year over year this last quarter they reported for, but um, 38% is unheard of in the technology industry. I don't know any other tech company selling hardware that has margins like that, that in this consistently, they're not like 20% one quarter and 40 another, they hover in the 38 to 40% range and they expect it to be about the same or a little higher in uh, the coming quarter. Um, and that is a, uh, it's a phenomenal thing that they can preserve even in the face of slowing sales. They're still minting profit on every dollar they make. Right. So instead of billions and billions of dollars, they made billions of dollars. <laughs> it's still like, you know, extraordinary. <laughs> it's the biggest, you know, they're, they're expecting to have a slightly bigger quarter uh, this coming quarter than the previous uh, year's all-time record quarter last year. A year ago, holiday quarter was uh, almost $76 billion, and they're anticipating it to be slightly higher, up to as much as $78 billion. So, um, you know, and then there's also the Samsung bump might happen too, is Samsung had a really terrible quarter, and there's some reports that people are switching to, you know, the closest thing they can get, and that might be a Pixel from Google if they're in the Android tent and they they want that. Uh, I don't know the supplies of those, but it's also other manufacturers, including Apple, are going to take up some of the Note 7 slack. So that could offer some surprise bumps um, too. We'll see. Yeah. 
We'll find out how much. The 7 Plus was a very desirable item, and me and a number of other people bought them almost against our will because we, you know, <laughs> needed to test them or we thought it was really cool or whatever. And uh, so I have two phones now, even though I'm using one. So that's, uh, I helped, apparently. <laughs> Yeah. But next quarter will be, we'll see what kind of influence the MacBook Pro has on the earnings. That, yeah. that's a, that was a segue. I, it's excellent because I think the the failure to have new Macs, let's talk about that. The failure to have new Macs or new models of any substantive value for years now, in, in many cases, certainly pulled down sales there. And I know tons of people waiting. A friend of mine was like, finally. And then she said, two to three weeks. I have to wait two to three weeks. I need my daughter just poured water on her laptop yesterday. I need a new one now. I'm like, sorry, two to three weeks. Uh, so MacBook Pro uh, got some new interesting stuff. We'll go into depth on what's in that. No Mac Pro. Um, the MacBook is you know clearly the replacement for the MacBook Air because the MacBook Air's 11-inch model is now gone, just the 13-inch remaining. Uh, no new iMac, no new Mac Mini. So, not and the MacBook, just to clarify, is sort of on a different cycle than everything else. Uh, so if you were looking for a new MacBook, that's probably coming, what, first quarter next year, late first quarter next year. If they stay in that cycle, I don't know why they took it yeah. off cycle, but it's, uh, yeah, because they released it March or April, I'm trying to remember which, uh, the last two right. years. Right. So it's on a different annual cycle than everyone else. So, exactly. so we won't see a new MacBook for the holiday season. It'll, it'll come afterwards. Right. Which is fine too. I think it's a different, I mean, I think they released yeah. that one when it was ready as opposed to waiting for something. If they, the 2015 MacBook came out, you know, in the middle of a drought, the 2016 one came out now six months before the MacBook Pro is ready for refresh. And I have to believe, you know, maybe it's going to be March now because they're not going to release new iMacs and uh, Mac Pro and whatever in you know December or January. I don't think maybe, maybe they would do January, but it tends, I, I think they tend to avoid that and uh, they try to hit later March. So maybe March might yeah. be a MacBook refresh and also other Macs, but now those are really long in the teeth, the uh, other Macs. But Roman, let's go into the MacBook Pro. Uh, Susie Oaks was on the spot, so she was able, she's doing a hands-on even as we speak, I think, and we'll get more insight from her next week about some of the features. But what uh, what is exciting about the new MacBook Pro? So the marquee feature is uh, the touch bar, which Sort of was not a surprise because, what was it, a couple days ago, oh, yeah. uh, there was a leak actually within the macOS Sierra update that came out recently uh, that included photos of the Magic Touch Bar. Although, or, or I'm sorry, it was, the, the rumored name was Magic Touch Bar or t Toolbar, Magic Toolbar, but it's called the Touch Bar, two words. So I, I'm going to go back and forth and confusingly call it the magic oh, toolbar. Even better, I, Craig Federici was talking about the control strip on right. the touch bar. So the thing is the touch bar, what displays on it, I guess, is going to be called the control strip. So that's not confusing either. Now, the thing is, not to go off on a tangent, but <laughs> wasn't there a feature pre-OS X called control strip? Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was a little um, fold-out, like out thing right. that had all the little doohickeys on it it was a great little um i love that thing it was just like yeah. an at a glance it was like it's kind of like widgets before we had widgets right right 
and I couldn't remember if that was a third-party app or if it was built into the OS. But yeah, so I don't know if Craig Federighi was at Apple at that time. So I don't know if there was some sort of like subliminal subliminal confusion there, hearkening back to that or whatever. But yeah, during the during the presentation, he kept calling it Control Strip, but it is called the Touch Bar. Yeah, the Control Strip. I just had to look it up. It actually shipped in system. 1994. I can't believe that. So Federici, I'm trying to remember, did he go in and out of Apple? But it might be a little bit of a, of a, you know, if anyone's remembering, people do remember. They're not simple. They're not sentimental at Apple, but it might be a wink. Um, Should note too, the sentimentality. They're like, Hey, this is the um, 25th uh, anniversary or the 20th anniversary of us. uh, No, no, I'm sorry. 25th anniversary of us releasing the first, you know, MacBook, And um, ain't that cool. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, that's fine. It's good. Yeah, it was an excuse for a mon- for a montage of showing the older laptops. Yeah. Essentially, I love those computers, so I'm totally happy that they that they released those. Uh, yeah, so the the touchpad is a Retina display, Retina resolution thing, and. Um, what do you think? I it's got all these. It, it, it's contextually appropriate, but it seems like it might be a confusing uh, interface element as well. Yeah, it's, for people who are kind of un, who are who haven't been exposed to what the Touch Bar is, it's essentially uh, an OLED panel that replaces the function keys on top of your keyboard, and then it. Uh, adjust it it'll display appropriate options and keys based on whatever your app you're in so for instance if you're in photoshop it will show uh particular editing functions that you can do if you're in the finder i think it shows the function keys that you're used to including the escape key yes hooray so uh, i did catch that <laughs> they didn't call that out but i saw that in the presentation that there was an escape key so, and I think you, if you push the FN button, the function button that's available on, that's an actual button on the keyboard, it changes that, the uh, touch bar to the function keys. So I think if you're in a Photoshop, you, you want to get to the functions, you press FN. Uh, so yeah, essentially, coincidentally, Microsoft yesterday had their Surface, what's it called? Um Oh yes, they're giant. It's really cool. Right. Um, it's the Surface the, Studio. Yeah, it's tw- what twenty-eight inch. Like uh, it looks iMac-y, but then you can kind of rotate it down, or you can use it as a touchscreen upright. But you can rotate it down, and it's entirely a touchscreen with like a dial you can attach and use the dial to do different things. It's yeah. really a fascinating design. A lot of artists I know who were were flipping out. I mean, it costs a lot of money. It's three grand, but they were flipping right. out at the. Uh, it's not three grand is not a lot for a 28 inch touch screen drawing service plus computer, but, um, but yeah, it's a, it's really different kind of thinking for Microsoft. Yeah. I guess my point in bringing that up is because it's a total touch screen and Apple seems very resistant to doing the touch screen on its Macs. And so this seems to be the compromise because you can do like Photoshop editing on the touch bar you can do photos editing in the touch bar uh now you can't obviously you can't draw on the touch bar but uh but because it's so thin and you know it, it, um but 
that this seems to be a sort of a compromise of doing a touch screen. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thought that people will want that or that will be useful. I, I'm my take as I was lo- as I looked at it was it's another mode of interaction. So you've got you know a mouse to click or draw drag on the screen. You've got a mouse to select menus, which I think of like a mouse clicking and a mouse doing menus are two different kinds of things. They're you know you're not when you're interfacing with a program that's separate from using menus to select things. You've got keyboard shortcuts, which is kind of a way of interacting. You've got typing, and then this is I feel like an entirely different modality. It's going to be a thing that you use your finger for that you have to look down because unless you're using a program so consistently, you remember the position of everything, you're always going to be looking down to figure out what is there. And maybe because of the laptop design, as opposed to a monitor keyboard array, you'll be able to remember, or you'll see it in your peripheral vision and you'll be able to remember it. So while you're working on screen, you'll be able to, you know, at least identify the position just vaguely, but I, it's like a fifth or sixth way to interact with a laptop. And I wonder, it just seems a little awkward. They're showing people in the demo typing and the person would be typing and then they would curl their hands. They had just an index finger. They would reach up and kind of look and point and then they would uncurl their hand, bring the other hand back and type again. And so you're in this transition state and instead of like you open your whole hand to move to a mouse or you reach down with your thumbs to use a trackpad, this is like a you're you're switching your nature of work. So I, I wonder how that will play out. I'm not negative yeah. about it, just a little dubious. Right. I want, you know, to do things like editing or, you know, in the demonstration they had so uh a guy from Algorithm, the uh people who make the DJ software, was actually doing his DJ thing using just the touch bar. And it was kind of cool. But at the same time I was like, my hand would cramp at about, you know, <laughs> halfway into a song doing all that because it was, you know, it's so narrow and, you know, there's precision required. So I can see it really working. One of the things in the demo demo that they showed was uh, they were doing a messages chat and the, and it looked really cool where the touch bar lit up with a bunch of emojis you can use. That I liked because like yeah. where, where you've got a bunch of stuff to select and you always have to scroll through them or um, the photos app, they were showing the right. thumbnail view is down there. And I was like, well, that's cool because it's retina. Right. You're looking at the screen and that will be the same resolution. The OLED will probably be brighter than the screen. It'll be very stable and it'll be slightly, I don't know if it'll be closer. I guess you're looking at the bottom there, but like filtering through there, figuring out the image and tapping it to open it up on screen gives you more screen territory. You're getting something back. Plus a nice navigation metaphor. Right. Yeah. So those instances, I can see how it can be really handy, you know, when it's doing actual work, you know, I, I, you know, I'll reserve my judgment until I actually use it, but it would seem kind of awkward to me. Um, But yeah. And the selling point seems to be, I mean, you know, you could say one of the motivations for putting in there is like, let's imagine internally that they're thinking, how do we put touch ID into a MacBook Pro? And they're like, well, you know, we could have a sensor somewhere. We could modify the trackpad. So part of it is touch ID. We could have a little thing off to the side. And one's like, no, that's too ugly. And like, hey, those function keys aren't doing anything. What if yeah. we made the entire thing touch sensitive and just put touch ID on the far right? I doubt it was that simple, but- right it is a way for them to effectively hide touch ID and gain these other features all in one 
move that makes it feel it, it immediately know when you look at this model that it's a new macbook pro there's no question even by size or shape you might not recognize maybe but by that alone you'll know you have a new uh, people will know you have a new com- computer and you'll feel like you have something that's new too yeah yeah so you know it's funny it's just a shiny new thing apple <laughs> is now incorporating shiny new gadgets and yeah. to, to make things new but I didn't um, catch this. So Touch ID, so Apple Pay and fast user switching, I don't think they mentioned uh, user login, though, like booting up your machine and logging in. Did you hear that mentioned? I, I may not find that out until later when they put out more information. Uh, see, they didn't mention that either, and I was wondering if, you know, that, I mean, does Apple Watch play into that? Because you can have the right. login, which... You know, I've been trying to use this Apple Watch login, and it doesn't work for me all the time. I don't know if, if it's something I'm doing. But... It's not you. <laughs> I don't have one. I know it's not you. Yeah. I have all my friends who keep telling me, like, this. Or I get tweets about it. I wrote that long piece of the Mac 911 column for you about, like, yeah. all right, here's how you get everything working. And people are like, I have everything in place. Everything says it, and I don't get the option. Or works right. half the time, doesn't. It's still right. wonky. So. Yeah, so I don't know if that plays into it at all, but yeah, that was a good point. Uh, oh, I am that. looking at the – they do have the new site up as we say this, and they say uh, – it says uh, the first time Touch ID is available on a Mac, enabling instant access to logins and fast, secure online purchases with Apple Pay. Mm. So I don't know if logins means boot time because uh, – so um, uh, Jonathan Zydriowski uh, – Z- sorry, Z- Zydriowski, uh, who's a security expert, has been on the podcast. Um, he's the guy behind Little Flocker, a new security app for Mac. Uh, he uh, was tweeting about this and he said this means there's a secure Enclave chip in the Mac now. And the question will be like, is that, how is that accessed when you boot a Mac – with, I mean, ostensibly, you'll only be able to use Touch ID if you're using File Vault 2, would be my guess, because it right. doesn't make sense otherwise. So you have File Vault 2 enabled. It boots into recovery when you have File Vault 2, uh, when you start your machine. It's invisible. It doesn't show that you're booting into recovery. And, and recovery has like encrypted versions of your passwords so you can type them in. So in that mode, conceivably, recovery could access Secure Enclave and let you use it. But we'll, we'll see, because the way they're phrasing it, instant access to logins doesn't sound like log into your Mac or unlock your Mac. So so we'll see. Yeah, I hope so. And then they will, Apple can extend it. We know that Touch ID gets used for more things over time in iOS. So ostensibly, once it's built in, there can be more of that as well. Yeah. And if you're wondering, Apple says the new laptops have 10 hours of battery life. Mm-hmm. Which I think is similar to what the previous version was. So it doesn't seem right. like the touch bar affects battery life. Or if it did, they have figured out a way to increase the battery capacity <laughs> so that it matches the battery life. And in other words, they Apple's done something, whether it's making a bigger battery or whatever to make sure that you continue to get the same kind of battery life as before. Oh, my suspicion is um, if they, it, the thing is very much like a MacBook, even though they weren't billing it that way. So it's a much, you know, it's a much uh, faster processors, more sophisticated device. So we'll get to USB-C and Thunderbolt three in a, a second, but um, the, the MacBook, they got rid of a lot of the motherboard is the funny part. Like right. <laughs> the MacBook air, the motherboard is the, full size just about of the inside partly because it's tapered i think and the macbook the motherboard is like three inches by 
eight inches, and the rest of it is terraced battery. Uh, so I assume the MacBook, the uh, the inside. I'm not sure they have photos up at the inside like they did when they released the the MacBook. They had a big deal about it. MacBook Air. I'm not seeing. Oh wait, no. Here we go. Inside. Nah, they're not really showing it. So they may not be emphasizing that thing, but the inside is probably again a very tiny. Um, Motherboard and just terraced batteries, which they pioneered in the Mac in the original MacBook. I'm yeah. sorry, the 2015 and 2016 yeah. MacBook. So they can put in more battery in less volume. This thing is thinner than the previous MacBook Pro. It's smaller. Did you the the comparison between the 13 inch MacBook Air and the 13.3 inch um, MacBook Pro were pretty hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it's small. <laughs> it was like you can fit. This reminded me of when I got the. Uh, 13-inch MacBook, it actually is smaller than the, or it's as small, I think, as the 11-inch MacBook Air, and it's much smaller. If you compare the MacBook Air, which I had a 13-inch MacBook Air uh, before I sold it, and the 13-inch MacBook, and you could literally put the entire MacBook in the keyboard and screen size of the MacBook Air. <laughs> There's like no be basil on it, and it's on the keyboard either. So it's it's smaller and, you know, thinner uh, not always good, but if this is um, the 13 inches uh, viable laptop for airplane computing, <laughs> then and uh, it'll weigh the same way, three pounds, same as the MacBook Air. So um, I believe substantially lighter than the previous MacBook Pro at that size. Um, is that enough about the touchpad? People were talking about. I mean, it's it's funny. It's a flagship feature. They talked about it a lot. Um, there's even there's a cool demo online of you can customize it, and it shows the mouse dragging buttons from screen down onto right. the touchpad, which is cute. Right. So yeah, um, so. it's like a macro bar that no one would call yeah. it. Macro. How horrible! Yeah. Don't call it a macro. Why why did you say that? No, I'm sorry. That was me. Wait, I said that. <laughs> So macro bar control strip magic toolbar exactly it's great so all right well so let's let's move on from the touch bar because uh that's people need to go and try it go to an apple store and try it out see what it's like it'll be interesting um the uh i think the USB-C uh USB-C is probably and thunderbolt 3 i should say is probably the the other thing right so two ports on the smallest macbook pro four ports uh, on the bigger ones of Tremor, which are which, because they've got three models and the 15-inch right. uh, and 13-inch will have, is that right? They will have four. Yes, right. There's. I'm sorry. There's a 13-inch MacBook Pro that does not have a touch bar. Right. That's the cheap one. It's yeah. $14.99. Yeah, and yeah. it's available now, apparently, I think. This one was telling us you can get you can buy them today, maybe, or soon. Uh, the others are two to three weeks delayed. They all have the Force Touch trackpad. They all have uh, virtually everything else is the same um, except memory configuration. So the uh, and, and processors are slightly different. So uh, yeah. I don't think we have to run through every processor um, setup here. So there's 13 inches, your entry-level one, no touch bar. The 13-inch with touch bar and touch ID and 15-inch with touch bar and touch ID. And those are the three models. So the entry-level one has two Thunderbolt 3 ports. The uh, touch bar models also, or both of them have four Thunderbolt 3 ports. Right. Um, have you been studying Thunderbolt 3? Because I'm behind the, the um, behind the bar, behind the uh, um, uh, the curve on this one. It's because Thunderbolt 3 hasn't been available on uh, Macintosh devices until now. Yeah, I've kind of, you know, I was caught up 
with through Thunderbolt two, and then when Thunderbolt three got delayed, <laughs> exactly. So did my so did my attention. <laughs> it was like so, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Um. So well, but, uh, yeah. I guess to emphasize to people that Thunderbolt three is compatible with USB C. So if you have a USB C device, you can plug it into your Thunderbolt three ports. And the other thing is that. These are the only ports you're going to get on right. these MacBook Pros. That's the key thing. There are no, there's no more USB-A port. There's no more yeah. SD card slot. Mini display um, port. Uh, right. HDMI. Right. All these things are, they're gone, gone forever. MagSafe's gone too. What's gone? Uh, <laughs> Mag, MagSafe is gone. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Uh, well, I know, you know, I'm a big fan. As you know, I've had a MacBook since, uh, early 2015 and I uh, I don't find it a problem but I'm not a professional editor I'm not doing these other things but this is the thing USB-C so I was tweeting about this and people I confused the hell out of people because I said USB Thunderbolt is intercompatible with USB-C and people said incompatible I said no no inter and then I'm like maybe that's not the best word to use <laughs> so Thunderbolt so USB-C is a standard from the USB implementers forum and it's both a definition of like a port style, right? The plug and jack. And it defines like how data flows over right. the bus. And those two things are separate, sort of, right? So Thunderbolt 3 is an implementation that works compatibly with USB-C devices and plugs, but it has capabilities that are not found in USB-C, but will not break USB-C device compatibility. So... If you have a device with a USB-C port, like a MacBook, you can't plug Thunderbolt 3 displays or uh, RAIDs or whatever into it. They won't work if they're Thunderbolt 3 designed. But your Thunderbolt 3 ports on the new MacBook Pros can take any USB-C device and any Thunderbolt 3 device. So that it's Thunderbolt 3 encompasses USB-C and all the USB-C USB uses and Thunderbolt 3. USB-C is just USB-C devices that are compatible. Was that clear? Right, but, that, was that as bad as intercompatible? <laughs> well, it's, well, it's a strange kind of inconsistency in Matt and Apple's lineup. Yeah. Because usually they would just say, you know, it's going to be a Thunderbolt 3 port all across the board. But no, it's, the, you know, maybe cost has something to do with it. But yeah, the MacBook is USB-C, not Thunderbolt 3, even though it's the same port, same type of port. I don't want to say the same port. No, it's just, well, it's the same plug connector. and it's, that's why I say right. intercompatible because Thunderbolt three works within the USB-C spec, but it's like an extra thing. So they don't have to redesign the port or any other requirements. They get to leverage the entire physical infrastructure and even how the bus works, but the protocols aren't the same. So you have a Thunderbolt three controller that talks a certain way with backwards USB-C compatibility. But if you have a USB-C controller in your computer or device, it can only talk USB protocols and it can also, it can allow display port and other things to work with it, but it can't talk Thunderbolt three because it literally lacks the circuitry, the chips to do it. Um, our colleague Gordon Ung knows much more about this <laughs> and hopefully he'll write an explainer and we'll, uh, we'll link to it because it's um, it's been evolving. I, my understanding is there was a chipset issue is Apple and other manufacturers did not want to or most didn't want to commit to Thunderbolt 3 until the correct processor and like paired Thunderbolt 3 controller from Intel were available or maybe in third parties for the controller. But I think there was a processor issue. So Apple now has the right combination for it. And so I would expect the MacBook 
2017 refresh would include this and then any Macs at this point from now on, maybe they will still have some legacy ports. I don't know. Maybe they'll include USB type A. I don't know. But they should all be Thunderbolt 3 and, and, and USB-C as a standalone thing should become a thing of the past, but not for probably at least six months or more. It's confusing. I have people I have just raving my Twitter feed, dongles, I don't want any more dongles. But uh, Roman, you and I have been collaborating as writer and editor on getting a lot of USB-C reviews out there. <laughs> so if people are looking for yes. batteries, uh, you'll be able to use external batteries with the uh, MacBook Pros because they're USB-C compatible. And there are a bunch of batteries that I reviewed. Roman had the fine job having to edit the giant mess I gave you and <laughs> all this information uh, and also USB-C docks. So you don't necessarily have to get a dongle or get Apple's kind of expensive and limited feature thing. You can get uh, docks from several companies that will add type A ports and display port connections. Um, and Apple, so, and then there are now USB-C native uh, displays. Apple showed off a 5K display, Roman, but it wasn't an Apple 5K display. That was a little strange. It was a little strange. And the, the Thunderbolt display that Apple had was discontinued earlier this year. Yeah. So I guess Apple's getting out of the display business. Um, so if you want an Apple display, you're... Maybe you can buy a refurbed one, but if you want a 5K display, you're going to have to go outside of Apple and, you know, um, you won't find one from Apple co coming anytime soon, as far as we know. It sort of so. makes sense. I mean, they've gotten out of so many businesses. Remember when they sold printers and boomboxes and all kinds of other stuff? And I, But I was thinking they are one of the biggest buyers of glass and monitor technology from other parties. So I was thinking they would just do this, but I wonder if... There's just not enough money for them to extract in managing the process. So why bother if they can't make uh, the margin they want or have an impact? If everything's compatible, can they bring enough to a 5K display if it's not just part of an iMac? So perhaps it is one of those things. So they're showing the LG. The LG is what fourteen hundred dollars, I think, for the LG 5K that display that connects over Thunderbolt three because it's got enough bandwidth to. Because um, USB-C, my recollection is it maxes out at 10 gigabits per second. I think 3.1, USB 3.1 over USB-C. So you can run a 4K display over USB-C. You can run two displays. Um, I was trying to test a unit that uh, uh, StarTech has a dock that, it's a USB-C powered dock that supports two external monitors, but it's either one 4K external or two uh, like 1080p or, or lower resolution ones, but it requires multi-stream, uh, what is it called, MST, multi-stream something, which many Macs have. I don't know if the MacBook has, but I think it does because it supports multiple displays this way. Uh, the Mac, the, sorry, the MacBook Pro does. The MacBook with USB-C does not support MST, so you can't do multiple monitors with it. Um, in this case, the MacBook Pro is letting uh, you support multiple monitors directly through Thunderbolt 3, and ostensibly you'll also be able to use monitors over USB-C if they're lower resolution like 4K or 1080p and so forth. Uh, so this should give people a lot more um, options. In fact, I think, Roman, I think that you could have better displays with a MacBook Pro now than with an iMac. I don't think you can support an external 5K with an iMac and only 4K. Uh, so if you want two yeah. 5K displays, you have to buy a new MacBook Pro. Right, right. And, you know, considering that there were no desktop <laughs> uh, Macs today, so why do you need to buy an Apple display? Because oh, it's very sad. We're not, 
you know, Apple's not interested in selling desktop machines anyway. So I know it's a bummer. I know we're going to talk about it the whole time. So Thunderbolt three. Oh, the other thing is, so USB three point is a five gigabit per second standard. Three point one extended that to the possibility of being ten gigabits. Thunderbolt three is forty gigabits. So there, that's you know, they're showing Apple showed a configuration on stage, which was two five K displays and two RAID systems, all connected directly. With their with a dedicated Thunderbolt three connection to a MacBook Pro, which can run all those at the same time. Holy Moses, That'd be pretty cool. Um, now Thunderbolt three, I was looking at the spec. It supports daisy chaining. USB C does not. So ostensibly, you should be able you'd reduce the throughput because each port ostensibly can do up to forty gigabits per second. I don't know if the controllers could handle that. Could you be writing two forty gigabits per second streams uh, at the same time? I don't know. But conceivably, you could also uh, daisy chain. Uh, Thunderbolt 3 uh, monitors and other things, depending on how those start to ship and, and so forth. So that's an option as well. You're not necessarily limited to four ports and four devices. Um, but we will see when this all comes out. Whew, I'm exhausted already. What else do we got? Um, I know it wasn't that much, but it was also a lot. The other thing about, we talked about the size. Well, let's talk about the MacBook Air for a second because um, there was a suspicion it would be canceled and yet, uh, isn't it still? Am I wrong? Are we still? It's still for sale. I think I'm just going to check this on the site because who knows if they changed it while we're talking. Uh, yes, a 13-inch MacBook Air is now the entry-level MacBook for starting at a thousand dollars. But then you can get uh, so that comes with you know it's not a Retina display. It's um, it's you know the cheapest Mac they're selling right now. Then if you want to step up at all, you go to the MacBook. Pro, which, as we were talking about, it's not uh, the lowest end one. You can order today, I believe. Yes, it will ship. Uh, if you order one online, October 31st is as soon as you can get it. Maybe in stores sooner. That starts at 1500 If you want to go up to a 13-inch with touch bar, it's 1800 And then the highest end configuration is just $2,000. So the range of the basic options is just, you know, uh, that's a very small – oh, I'm sorry. That's – excuse me. $2,000 gets you uh, – I beg your pardon. That's the highest-end 13-inch model. The 15-inch model starts at 2400 and its highest-end uh, base configuration is 2800 So your range now is you know, a th- starting at 1000 starting at 1500 starting at 2400 which is not that far off from the way it used to be. And these are all much more powerful machines. Uh, the 15-inch models have uh, 16 gigs of included memory also. That's the base configuration. So these are fairly powerful, very fairly powerful. Yeah, and going back to the MacBook Air just quickly. So the 11-inch model is gone. That's oh yes, that's the one that's disappeared. Yeah, which makes sense. So it, yeah, it makes sense. And yet, kind of have to. If you've been a Mac user for a long time, you kind of have to change your thinking because it used to be that MacBook meant sort of the entry level, lower end. MacBook Air was sort of the middle traveler's laptop so to speak i mean they're all laptops are all meant to be traveled with but you know if you if you put a priority on size and weight and then the macbook pro is the the high end and so now the new lineup it's kind of switched the macbook air is the lower end affordable laptop the macbook is sort of the middle um fills that middle tier and then the macbook pro is still the high end 
Right. Um, oh, I should say yeah, so the, the MacBook starts at uh, what is it starting price? Thirteen? Is it thirteen ninety nine? I gotta yeah. look because they keep tweaking the prices. Usually when there's things like this going on, it right. starts at thirteen hundred dollars for the uh, the base level model. There, yes. Yeah. There's only one model. I'm sorry. There's one model with different configurations, but uh, yeah. Right. So a thousand, thirteen hundred, fifteen hundred, twenty four hundred. Um, but the difference is huge. You know, you go MacBook Air up 300 bucks, you get Retina, you know, plus other advantages. I think the MacBook Air, the 13 inch is faster still. I, I recollect it's got better specs right, right. than the 2016 MacBook, but it's not Retina. So if your trade off is 300 bucks, I get Retina and slightly less performance, you know, that's going to be the thing. Um, yeah. And then a big bump up to the performance and other features with the MacBook Pro. It's a better differentiation, but it's kind of piecemeal. And I expect, um, my question will be is do they keep, you know, let's say in March 2017, do they drop the 13-inch uh, MacBook Air and make – I'm sorry, yeah, 13-inch model and they make the 12-inch MacBook uh, entry level, drop it by 100 bucks, keep the current one, you know, kind of kick it backwards. Now it's 1100 or something or uh, maybe not 1200 They like to have a $1,000 model. They've had a $1,000 model for a while now. Yeah. I think it's a gateway drug to get people in to buy a Mac laptop. Nice. So – Speaking of affordable laptops, there used to be in the MacBook Pro, the previous model, there was a, if you looked hard enough on Apple's website, oh, yeah. you'd find a 1099 MacBook Pro that was released originally in 2012. Non-retina, it was, right? Right. It was non-retina, and I believe it was an Ivy Bridge-based yeah, yeah. laptop. And it had it was based on the old design, so it had a FireWire port. It had an optical, it had a super drive. Uh, but it didn't have, it had Thunderbolt one. It didn't have Thunderbolt mm -hmm. two even. Uh, and it had, yeah, it had a regular, a standard display and it was 1099. So that laptop's gone and sort of taking its place is that if you go to Apple's website and you go to buy, uh, for the MacBook pro, you'll notice that there's like. You'll see that, like on a 13 inch buy page, you'll see the three new models. But then if you scroll down, there's this one <laughs> $12.99 model that's kind of stuck there, and you kind of oh go, Oh my gosh. Oh, what? And so that's the previous version of the MacBook Pro. It doesn't have the touch, bu touch bar. It's a. Um, oh, crap. Oh, I, I see that at the bottom. It. Yeah. So it's $1,300. Yes. Bucks. Oh, so that fills the one. They have one spot left in the matrix. And they're like, yes. let's leave this one in production for a little bit longer. So it's right. dual core. You know, the specs aren't bad. It's 2.7 gigahertz dual core. It's actually very similar to the $1,800 one, but with a, a older graphics card, Thunderbolt 2, um, yeah. and uh, half the size of the SSD. It's only a 128 gig SSD by default, which is ridiculous right. these days. So it's not a bad, not a bad model, but boy, I mean, because you'd have to go up two to um five hundred dollars to get to the kind of next boost there so it's a they're giving right. you a place to come in at and this is the only <laughs> you know if, if you really want usb a this laptop has that's right usb a still and it has the magsafe and it has oh I, I forgot to mention the other the other port that's available in the new macbook pro is the headphone jack oh my gosh so how do we miss this <laughs> So Apple's totally 
you know, maybe the iOS division is uh, iPhone division is totally against the headphone jack, and the Mac division is devoted to the headphone jack, and so they decide to keep it on the new MacBook Pro. Uh, but yeah, that's the only other port on the new MacBook Pro is the headphone jack, in addition to the Thunderbolt three. I actually was trying to look, so you can't. The MacBook Pro, I think the non-Retina also had a spinning disc player in it, a DVD. Yes. And this, the, yeah. the now the low-end previous model uh, MacBook Pro does not have a disc slot. No. So that's finally no. dead. That's the, so that's the last Mac that's not, uh, does the iMac have a DVD player? And it does, right? Because the Mac Mini no, drive. the iMac it. does not. Oh, so nothing. So that was the very last model that Apple was selling right. with a DVD player. Right. Interesting. That went to uh, unnoticed. Yeah, and there's also there's also a um, 15 inch uh, previous gen model that's for sale. It's 19.99. It has a 2.2 gigahertz processor, uh, and it's based again on the old desi- older design. So it has a USB A port. It has MagSafe. It has an SD card slot. Uh, so if you really, really, really hate the idea that the new MacBook Pro has only USB-C, that's your priority. Um, you could still buy a USB-A equipped MacBook Pro. It's an older version still, uh, but you could do it. And you could probably even find other models in the refurb shop. So that's but yeah, it's an interesting thing because it's 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 being displayed on the Apple site along with the new MacBook Pros. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really, like, there's nothing, Apple doesn't really do anything to tell you, hey, this is the older model, unless you read the specs. So it's, it's, it's a little confusing in terms of a consumer uh, perusing standpoint. Shoo, mm-hmm. so. well... Folks, it's easier to find than before, but it's a little. It's true. Confusing. I mean, that's the thing is, you're not going to walk into an Apple store. I mean, I, do they even stock those models in the stores? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's like I think that you have to buy it online because it would be weird for them to be like, "Yep, here's the latest, greatest stuff we have, and this thing from last year that we're not really selling anymore, but you can have it if you want." Um, I think we have we have dug the biggest hole we can for these, and. Uh, I'm very much looking to get in my hands on one to try one. Uh, so Susie got her hands on uh, being able to test the model in the uh, in the hands-on area afterwards. Uh, and uh, Roman, that's up already, I think, as we're recording this. Yep. So yep. you can read about what it's like, and then we'll have more information as people get their hands on computers in weeks to come. Uh, a few other things that came out. Um, well, actually, well, one major thing. They spent you know half an hour at the beginning talking about iOS and blah and this. I mean, I should note, they started it with something that I found quite nice, which is that they've launched a uh, disability site, a site devoted to um, Apple's incorporation of um, of uh, access, I should say accessibility. I said disability, which is not the preferred term because it describes kind of an, an absent accessibility incorporates everyone because all of us have different abilities. And some of us, like me, have aging eyesight. Other people may have you know physical issues that prevent them from doing things that are more common to other people. But there are assets and deficits we all have and accessibility is a great inclusionary term because there are a lot of features. Uh, remember when you were trying to figure out the... Um, was it screen inversion the other day? Right, right. And uh, <laughs> it was hidden in accessibility. We had to dig around to find it. Um, and someone had written in um, 
Yes, people write in with questions about, can I do this? My wife is deaf in one ear and she has a, a bone anchored hearing aid, but you know, I was digging the other day and I was like, oh, do you know there's a mono switch? Like, I forget it's even there. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you could use one headphone and set it to mono. She's like, oh, you know, or left, there's a left, right thing where you can put all of the sound. So it's not even necessarily mono. It's, I mean, it is, but you can change the sound balance and also set it to mono. So you can use one earbud or the other. Um, so all these things are great. So Apple now has a site devoted to this, which I think is fantastic. And it's become kind of a cornerstone of them moving forward with uh, with hardware and you know the watch with iOS with Mac OS and I think it's delightful that they are approaching it that inclusively um, but the other news uh, Roman do you have an Apple TV I have one of the current models did you get one I, I do not have an Apple TV I'm not sure that's a bad like... choice so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, I, I have a TiVo and I have a Blu-ray player that lets me access all the online stuff that I need to access. So I have yet to invest in an Apple TV. It's really tricky because we have a Samsung TV that we bought. Uh, it's not burst into flame. No worries. Thank God. And um, it's uh, got Amazon and Netflix software built in. I have an Apple TV, which does not have an Amazon app, but has a Netflix app. Um, I have a Blu-ray player that I think actually will work with Netflix. In fact, I think I can enable Netflix support within the Blu-ray player if I was uh, that um, out of control. Um, So Apple TV, so no announcement about Amazon video support. And they announced this new TV app, which is basically – I wouldn't – I'm sort of frustrated. People were joking about it when it came out. They're like, oh, good. Apple's adding TV. It's really a what am I watching? What do I want to watch? That's a TV program style thing, right? So it's it, it integrates across all the apps you have installed that you're signed in with. If you sign into Hulu or you sign into other apps, supposedly, you know, when these are all updated, everything gets folded into the TV app. So you can see where you left off in all these different programs, which is maddening now. You're watching something in Hulu. You're watching something in HBO now. Uh, you're watching something on Netflix. Oh, oh, but Netflix support isn't included. <laughs> right. Oh! And that's a big thing Jeez. for me because that's the number one service that we use. And yeah, so if I was considering buying an Apple TV before, before I was kind of like, oh, no, Netflix. Hmm. I don't know now. It's- yeah, I mean, some people live in Netflix. I canceled it recently because we were not watching enough. So I'm like, all right, it's, you know, nine or 10 bucks a month now. I'm like, we're going to cancel it for now. Maybe we'll come back. You know, they released this movie yeah. of the little prints that I want to see. It's only on Netflix. Oh, maybe I'll subscribe again. We subscribe to Hulu because Hulu has all of Adventure Time, which we never watched. And it has some other series we're interested in. So I'm like, all right, we'll get Hulu for a while. I'm watching Westworld. So I got HBO now. We got, you know, 30-day trial mm-hmm. for free. And it's 15 bucks a month. So we're going to, you know, this is the nice part about the future. I might have keep HBO for like three months and then cancel it. And then maybe three or six months later, I'll subscribe again, binge and cancel. <laughs> like that's part of their model though. They're like, they expect people will forget and just keep billing it. Right. But uh, it's wonderful. But so this should help me. Um, the question I have is, so uh, this feature was in the earlier Apple TVs too. You know, you can um, access material uh, through sharing that's stored on computers on your network, right? Uh, that's uh, shared through iTunes. So I have an, uh, a... Silicon Dust HD Home Run, which is a net Ethernet networked over-the-air tuner. You know, I've written about this, and it's so crazy, but it is it works. <laughs> so I've got network TV tuner. It records to my Office Mac, which is in the basement, and encodes everything and loads it up in iTunes. And so that's how we get over-the-air TV. We don't have a cable TV subscription. I use the Apple TV 
upstairs in our uh, living room to uh, navigate to the programs I want that's on, that are shared via iTunes on my Mac, right? All very straightforward. However, you can't return to where you left off. The one you, When you leave the sharing app, anything you're watching is just sort of forgotten and you have to navigate through layers. You have to find the individual program and so forth. I don't know yet and I, I'm eager to try whether TV will collect all that so that even the programs we're watching that are listed as TV shows in shared iTunes libraries will also – that aren't synced with iCloud. They're not downloaded or purchased. They're actually recorded over the air, whether those will be linked into. Um, and, but so, Roman, this will also come as – this will be an iOS app. Are you uh, looking forward to seeing it on iOS? Because that's a different kind of uh, uh, interaction. Yeah. And that's, to me, be, well, since I don't own an Apple TV, I felt like the fact that, yeah, you, now you can use the – TV. the TV app lets you uh, – use it across multiple devices. That to me felt like the bigger deal than what they were demonstrating in the event, than, than the UI. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, cause I, I would definitely use that. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times when my wife's watching one thing, we only have one TV in my house. Well, technically we have two, the other TV is down in the basement and it's connected to the internet. So you have to kind of, it's actually connected to my Mac in my office down in the basement. So I, you know, I have to basically play internet video through. It's essentially an external display. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. You and I have uh, yeah. our, our households are unique. I think we each have one like sort of truly active TV, and then one sort of TV that's a pain to use, but we could use if we had to. Most right. I think what's the average number in America? It's like three point four TV sets per house or something. So, <laughs> so congratulations yeah. on being unique. Yeah. So, but this would make it so much easier to use. Uh, you know, my when my wife's watching one thing and I want to watch another thing. So that, to me, seems like a bigger deal. But again, not not being an Apple TV owner, that appealed to me more than the fact well, because I haven't used it, so I don't know how much of a pain it is to use now. So, the whole TV app interface thing, kind of like what was to me sort of a shoulder shrug. But then when I heard the multiple devices, I was kind of like, oh, wait a minute. That's more attractive to me. Yeah, you can so, roam. I mean, because that's the thing is the glue, you can still do it now, but it's a hassle. There's all this navigation yeah. and remembering it's uh, the TV app doesn't roll out until December. And I assume the iOS app, I think they're saying later this year. So maybe it'll be, uh, um, it says December. Yeah, so our, our report says December. Uh, I'll be curious how it works. And maybe Netflix will come aboard by then. I think Amazon seems unlikely to enter the TVOS right. market because they don't seem to have the need. But, um, am I wrong? You can stream. There is an Amazon video app. Is there an Amazon video app for, um, for iOS? Why can't I remember that? There is an Amazon video app. I, there is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why yes, I'm blanking yes, out. Yes. You just, there's not one for TVOS. So this would be my question is, will Amazon tie in its app to the TV app so that you'd be able to watch different Amazon stuff and go among devices except TVOS. It's so maddening. I understand why app, you know, Amazon's yeah. in competition, but it seems very not advantageous. Like, aren't you more likely to use Amazon video if you could use it on your TVOS rather than having to buy a fire to use it on a TV or use airplay to stream it? Ah, <sighs> compatibility, Roman compatibility. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think we might hit the bottom of the news this week, except one last thing. AirPods are delayed for some indeterminate, relatively short period of time. Apple said, uh, eh, we've got a little more work to do. So, uh, whoop. 
Yeah, I wonder what the de- delay is. It's you know, it, it's kind of mysterious as to what it could be. I imagine it's got to be a firmware related issue because you can't imagine the they can't have you know if it's hardware, it's be months I would think to retool something. Right. So conceivably, there's some communications issue, or maybe they need to reprogram. I mean, this is the thing. It's a new chip, the W1, I think, right? And uh, the way those things work, they could actually, depending on the architecture, it's possible they could actually upload like new microcode to the chip. It doesn't necessarily have to be firmware, depending how they designed it. Um, Not that chip uh, chip can't be flashed, but there's like – Oh, there's more software-defined elements, is my understanding. So there's ways to rewrite parts of things. So it could be something very, very, very low level where they don't want to push it out when they have to get a user to do it. Like, you know, we're going to put it out. It'll work for 99.9% of people. Uh, then we'll release an update, and you have to do some really fiddly thing where you press a button and you stick a, <laughs> a paper clip in a hole. I think they whatever they want to do, they want it out of the park where it is just as good as it can get. But we'll find out more about that. Um, I've heard some reports. Some of the people with AirPods uh, for testing, uh, reviewers and folks who had them, uh, you know, got them under embargo and so forth or since, uh, has said they're generally very, very stable. There's a few weirdnesses, but, you know, it's wireless, so they expect it. But maybe some of those weirdnesses are more routine and Apple wants to nail this down. Um, I think that – I think we did the news. I think that's it. I think, Yeah. I think we covered Boom. it. Next week, uh, Susie will be back to talk about hands-on, perhaps, talk about her time with a MacBook Pro, and um, we'll have more detailed information. Folks, you can me- email us you know, at podcast at macworld.com or tweet at us, tweet at Macworld, or, or send us uh, comments at uh, macworld.com on the post for this podcast, and um, let us know what you're interested in finding out about this new hardware that we can find out before it ships uh, or some of the stuff that is shipping. And we will have more details for you. And so, Roman, thank you for joining me on this special, special later in the week episode, timely episode. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you. And I have been and remain Glenn Fleischman, <laughs> senior contributor here at the Fine Macworld Establishment. And this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 531 for October 27th, 2016. Folks, thank you as for listening as always. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs>